fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. May the 4th be with you all, and happy Star Wars Day. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco here from my apartment in Washington, D.C. Thank you for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. Be joined shortly by Amy Jennings. Hopefully, you all are tuning in live on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter. Be sure to comment along throughout the course of the podcast. We love making you a part of the conversation as we wrap up this four-game winning streak for the Nationals, really, and, and how they've bolted themselves into first place. Uh, which has been pretty exciting weekend. Let's bring in Amy right now. And Amy, happy Star Wars Day to you. Uh, how's your past week been? Thank you, Bobby. I always forget you're a huge Star Wars fan until it somehow comes up on this podcast, which I feel like is often enough, and then I remember. So happy May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Thank I think you. that's how it goes. But yeah. my week's been good. Good. Lots of baseball. My dad and brother uh, finished up their season or headed into the regional tournament this coming weekend. So I've been at a lot of baseball games um, and a lot of exciting Nationals games. So it's been a good week for me. How about you, Bobby? Uh, yeah, good week for me, too. I mean, it's hard not to have a good week when the Nationals are win four in a row. Since the last time we talked, Amy, uh, they've only lost one game, and it happened to be a Max Scherzer game against the Blue Jays in Dunedin and in a minor league stadium. So you kind of just chalk that up to being what it is. It's, you know, you only have to play two games, luckily, uh, in that stadium for the course of the season. Uh, but yeah, it's hard not to complain. Uh, the weather's been pretty nice, um, and they're expo- hopefully all the rain's out of the way this uh, from last night, and so the Nationals will have a clear week ahead of them as they welcome in the Braves for an important series. Um, but yeah, back to Star Wars, they just real, real quick, it, it dawned on me this morning that it was a year ago today, we were still in lockdown and quarantine, and I did a live podcast with Sean Doolittle and Mark Zuckerman on this very platform talking about baseball and Star Wars. So it, I, it's kind of like... I'm mean, kind of in shock that that was a year ago, you know, and like that, that, that all, everything that's happened since then, uh, the shutdown, the 60 game season, stuff like that. So uh, that, that was uh, kind of a, a, a funny realization uh, this morning. Um, but yeah, so it was hard not to have a good week. The Nationals are on a four game winning streak, which of course is the longest streak they've had, of course, this over the course of this season. And Amy, I mean, we've just, it's, it's night and day from what we're talking about last week, right? I mean, we talked last Monday on the off day before they started that two games against the Blue Jays. And we were talking about injuries, poor pitching, lack of a consistent offense, some defensive mistakes. And now the tables have completely turned and we're talking about much better pitching, consistent offense, defense all around being way, uh, but way better. It's just a completely different team than what we were talking about a week ago, it seems like. think um can you hear me now i got you um it that just that's baseball it shows how quick things can turn around in one series and you can't get too down on a team and you can't get too high on a team um we're always kind of cautious to not do that here on this podcast but it's the pitching i think that really turned this turned this team around just in this one weekend they're now sit atop of the division they're 500 and things are looking optimistic if they can hold on to this really good starting pitching that we saw uh, over this weekend. 
Yeah, and and we'll let's we'll get into that right now because of course we saw a new face for the first time finally, John Lester making his Nationals debut on Friday to open up that three game series against the Marlins at Nationals Park, and you know not quite sure what the expectation. I don't know how you can realistically put expectations on what you were hoping to get out of him in his first outing. We know he threw ninety pitches over six innings this previous Sunday before that start, but that's at the alternate training site. You're going against minor league uh, batters. It's in a minor league stadium, no fans. It's a completely different atmosphere when you get thrust into Nationals Park uh, facing another major league ball club uh, with fans in the stands. And, and I think John Lester did as about as well as he could have, the Nationals could have hoped. And, you know, he went five scoreless uh, against, you know, an offense that, like we've always talked about the Marlins, they're not here to win titles right now, but they're also not not trying, right? They're, they're here to compete. They're a solid club. And I think John Lester gave Dave Martinez all he could have hoped for Friday night. Right. You couldn't ask for more than five scoreless innings out of him in his debut of the season. Uh, we talked last week how we were maybe a little bit nervous, um, you know, dusting off the rust as he rust as he came out this season. But you couldn't have asked for more. Um, five scoreless innings. He did give up five hits, two walks and just one strikeout. But he's not even a strikeout pitcher at this point in his career. You know, he's trying to induce contact. Uh, weak contact, most importantly, and they got nine outs on ground balls in that outing. So that's why the defense um, is so important is going to come up huge in his his outing. So you couldn't have asked for more. He did his job. And it was the offense in that outing that in that start on Friday that really couldn't get going, obviously winning on that walk off second walk off for Kyle Schwarber of the season. But John Lester is the one that came up big in that win and did his job and held held his team right in that game. Yeah, we're going to get into the defense in just a little bit, but you're right. He's not a strikeout pitcher anymore. You mentioned the only the one strikeout on the night against the Marlins, and that's just not going to be his game this year, right? He's going to be more of a ground-out kind of pitcher, uh, soft, induced soft contact. We, talked, we saw it all throughout his spring training starts. Uh, that's not, he's not going to get high K, high whiff rates uh, throughout the course of the season. So I think... Obviously, the defense played really well behind him. That's a plus. But you talk about the lack of offense that one night. I mean, we're here praising the team as they're playing better as a unit. But night in and night out, you know, you're not going to get great starting pitching, great offense, great defense, and great relief pitching every single night, right? Sometimes you're going to have really good starting pitching and no offense, but you have good defense behind you, keeps you in the game, allows Kyle Schwarber to hit the walk-off home run in extras. Sometimes you have a pitcher that kind of struggles a little bit early on, but the offense scores enough runs and the bullpen comes and closes the door. Uh, sometimes you just hold the other team at bay and don't let them score any runs like you saw Max Scherzer do uh, from one starting pitching and defense behind him. Uh, so it's just kind of piecing wins together, right? I mean, they're doing it in multiple ways over this four-game winning streak uh, before they get ready to face the Braves. And that's actually even better news, right? It'd be kind of like, I don't want to say like worrisome, but like it would be kind of iffy if they're winning just dominating every single game from starting pitching to bullpen to offense to defense they're winning in a variety of ways which i think is a good sign because that shows that they can win in any circumstances and whatever they face at night in and night out they're going to be able to put up a good fight and give them give themselves a chance to win from here on out yeah exactly i mean rarely ever does it all click together in one game and you know, everybody's on their game. So that's that's the fortunate thing about when your offense isn't coming up big, you have these pitchers who put out a ton of scoreless innings and, you know, vice, vice versa. Um, 
you know, I talk about kind of the, the concerning thing about the offense not getting going, but a walk-off is always really exciting and exciting to see in baseball, extra innings, um, pitchers' duels, all of that. Um, and especially for this team, I and mean, we know that pitching is what keeps them in games. Their whole roster is constructed around the starting pitching. Three of their top pitchers' uh, contracts are worth $600 million. So yeah. it is the pitching that uh, not only you and I think is important, but obviously this, this entire organization. So that's why I was so exciting, so worrisome through the first really month of the season that none of these starters other than Max Scherzer and of course Eric Fetty, Joe Ross were doing their job but everybody else was kind of falling off the wagon and that's why it was was so concerning and that's why it's so exciting when you see a weekend you see a series like this four straight wins and it's because really your starting pitching was turning it completely around and it really started on Friday there um, with a, a great debut from John Lester. And then you move on to the next day on Saturday, Patrick Corbin going to the mound, and he's looking together to string a couple of strong starts. And he did just that. He went seven innings for the first time all season long on Saturday afternoon against the Marlins. Uh, I think he did give up four runs. He didn't strike out. I think he struck out four and walked four. So a lot of fours for Patrick throughout the course of this uh, that outing. But the only one that wasn't was the innings. He went seven, uh, and that really helped give length and rest the bullpen. The bullpen basically had the weekend off, right? I mean, John Lester only went five, so they had to work a little bit on Friday. Brad Hand pitching two innings late in the game. But they basically had Saturday off and then Sunday off, of course, with Max Scherzer, and then an off day on Monday. So the bullpens should be well-rested as they face the Braves this week. But, yeah, Patrick Corbin, that was easily his strongest outing. I know he gave up the four runs, but just to see the give him the length, the fastball command, the slider was working for him. Uh, that was probably one of his best outings uh, that we've seen so far. And hopefully, uh, like we said last week, maybe a sign of him starting to turn a corner and be a little more consistent every fifth day. Oh, and I think we lost Amy. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to put myself on the screen and we'll watch Patrick Corbin do some highlights right real quick. Um, yeah. So the seven innings on, I mean, like with Patrick, it's, it's, it's a whole thing of, uh, trying to string this together, right? It's, you got to go seven, you got to go strong. Um, and I think giving the bullpen some depth, I mean, he had so many early outings this season. I think he only went two in one of his starts, his second start, uh, they like four and a third, another start. Patrick really needs to get deeper into this outings for, for this nationals bullpen to give some rest. And I mean, obviously we'll, we know what Max Scherzer provides. We'll see what Steven Strasburg looks like when he gets back. But if, if you can only count on maybe five, six outings from John Lester, Maybe the same from Joe Ross and Eric Fetty when they make their starts. Patrick Corbin being able to give that six, seven innings is really going to be beneficial, regardless of assuming that he's only giving up like around three starts. You're looking for a quality start on every fifth day for Patrick Corbin, and hopefully uh, that will give the bullpen some rest and allow Dave Martinez to trust him, find his stuff more often and more frequently and consistently as the Nationals move forward. Amy, do we have you back? Yeah, do you have me now? Yeah, Sorry, I got I'm you. Having- I'm having some internet issues, so just bear with me here. No, you're good. Um, but yeah, I'm going to second everything that you probably just said about, you know, that that starting pitching. I mean, the huge thing is when your bullpen's banged up, you need your starting pitching to go deep into games, and that takes a ton of pressure off of Davey Martinez, ton of pressure off of this offense. Uh, they can't get things going, get things going early, so that's huge. Um, and that was really the big issue all of last season, right? These starters, even Max Scherzer, wasn't going deep into games, and hopefully they turn that around. Obviously, that seven those seven innings from Corbin are huge. Um, and, you know, this is what we need to see. 
Obviously, this doesn't mean that he's turned around his bad start to the season, but it's definitely a breath of fresh air and he's on the right track. I mean, 10 straight losses is what you want to see out of your number three guy, part of the big three. So hopefully he's turning things around. And it wasn't a great outing from Corbin on Saturday, but it was certainly an improvement. That command of that fastball, the velocity was up a little bit, 92, 93, where it needed to be. Um, and his slider was a lot more effective. He threw it 40% of the time, and that's what he needs to be an effective pitcher. That's that's his game. So when he can throw that, when that slider's working, um, he's a completely different pitcher. Six scoreless innings, going in seven innings for the first time in what seems like a really long time for Patrick Corbin was huge and yeah. obviously took a lot of pressure off that bullpen. So great outing from Patrick Corbin, and obviously that – carried into a great Sunday for Max Scherzer. Yeah, I don't remember Patrick Gorbin going too deep uh, into games last year, but looking at his last three starts, I mean, you're it's small numbers, but you're starting to see an improvement. He's 17 total innings, so he's getting deeper into games. A 318 ERA, he's allowed six runs over those three starts, uh, but has struck out 12 uh, in a one-on-one record. I think the Nationals are 2-1 and one in those starts. So a slight improvement. Uh, looks like he's getting on track a little bit better. And like you said, the Nationals need him out of this third starter. If you're going to be paying that much money and depending to on him every fifth, fifth day, and if the Nationals want to get where they want to go at the end of this season, Patrick Corbin still has to be a big part of that. We look back at 2019, of course, he was a major factor in that rotation. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, you're right. If, if this is a starting turn in a corner and the expectations can be that Patrick will be able to give uh, you six, seven solid outings every single time. And, you know, every once in a while, throw a, a complete gem. That's even better. But, you know, just getting those six and seven kind of give him back into a rhythm. I think the Nationals will take that right now. And then, of course, moving on to Max. I mean, Sunday was just a show. And, and, and you know that's what he was waiting for. We can talk about also everything he went through that day, right? Like, he pitched a complete game, struck out nine, uh, only gave up the – he was on the verge of a complete game shutout. Uh, only gave up the one solo home run in the ninth. And then right after the game, he left and went welcomed his son into the world. His third board child was born just less than two hours after he threw the last out at Nationals Park. Have a day, Scherzer family. Good God. Yeah, I, I don't, I certainly haven't had a day in my life yet that has been that <laughs> exciting. And I probably never will. And it was just another day for Max Scherzer, another day at the office. Oh, wait, yeah. I guess we'll go have a kid or something like that. But congratulations to him and his wife, Erica, Derek Alexander. Uh, their son, his first son, he had two girls. I remember we did an interview with him and on, on all access last year. And he was like, well, I don't know what they'll like, if they'll like baseball, whatever they end up liking, but I guess I'll coach. I'll be into it. Uh, imagine having Max Scherzer as your coach, uh, probably pretty intense. Uh, but now he has a boy. I wonder if there's any um, Derek Jeter relation there. Maybe he's a big Derek Jeter fan and that's who he's named after. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but you never know. So exciting day for him. Yeah. 106 pitch complete game doesn't get a whole lot better than that um an exciting stop just to complete uh, an exciting um weekend of starting pitching for the nationals and it also was on the verge of becoming a maddox right he almost pitched a complete game and fewer than 100 pitches he said 106 uh you know he his that was the key all night all afternoon excuse me was keeping his pitch count down. I think he had faced the minimum through four. He had only thrown 60 pitches through six. So that was, if that's, and Max, Max has always said this, right? And he's at this beginning of the spring training. The ability for him to keep his pitch count down is what's going to be key for him, especially as he gets older in his career. Because uh, as 
I mean, we're not going to see his fastball velocity stay up as high as it has been over the course of his career, right? We even saw in his last start against Toronto when he gave up four home runs uh, in the th- in the grand slam to uh, um, Vladdy Jr. that that fastball was sitting 94, 95 miles per hour, one through three innings, and then four, five, six, it had dropped down to almost 90, 91. So that's what we're not going to see from Max Scherzer throughout the course of the season. But what we hopefully see is low pitch counts, and he's been working on that, of course, throughout spring training, uh, now the early parts of the season. And Sunday was a perfect example of what Max is looking to do every single time. You're, you're going to get a good amount of strikeouts still, but he's more worried about keeping the ball in the yard, keeping guys off base, and keeping his pitch count down. That's how he's going to be effective throughout the course of the season and using different fastballs and, and, and his slider and his changeup more. We're seeing him use a changeup a lot more often than we've seen in the past. So I think Max is... is Definitely figured it out. Obviously, we weren't worried about him, but it was just a joy to watch on Sunday because you knew, all right, he's going to put the team on his back. The three-run home run from Ryan Zimmerman, that's all they really needed. Uh, and he gave up the one solo home run, but that you just chalked that up to just one bad pitch out of 106. You'll take that every single time. Right, he was dealing, working quick. He had places to be, things to do that <laughs> we didn't know about. Um, so that that was exciting. And, you know, that's the thing for all of these pitchers that are, you know, at this point in their careers, they try to keep their pitch count down, especially if they want to go later in games, especially when they have a bullpen in the state that the Nationals bullpen is right now. Um, and it's kind of a little bit different than John Lester because still at this point, um, Max Scherzer is able to get strikeouts. I mean, he's had over nine strikeouts in four of his, games so far this year so he's still a guy able to get strikeouts while keeping that pitch count down while mixing his pitches a little bit differently than he has throughout the rest of his career so that's exciting stuff you're talking about a nationals rotation that was ranked third worst in the majors by era entering friday and kind of turning things around and being the highlight um and it's really important because then adds offense on the other side of it scores the third fewest runs in the majors so it was kind of a really really bad mix there um kind of the worst on both ends of it they turned things around um and it uh, looking forward to a hopefully exciting stretch here for the nationals and hopefully they can they can keep this up and let's not forget since the last time we talked we had an okay outing from joe ross not what he would like to see but eric fetty with another really good outing seven case for him in in that win over the blue jays so you just never know who who's going to come up big uh when nobody else is coming up so yeah, last year, I mean, last year, last week, we were talking about his Patrick Corbin spot in the rotation in danger, right? With the way that Eric Fetty had been pitching, Joe Ross has been pitching. He'll go tonight against the Braves uh, and then expecting John Lester to return. John Lester pitched strong. He's going to stay in the rotation. Obviously, Steven Strasburg is still out, so they have a need for uh, for Fetty if they, if they absolutely need him. Uh, but you've got Scherzer, Corbin right now, Lester, and Joe Ross as your top four. And then hopefully getting Steven Strasburg back sooner rather than later. I, 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 I think he just started throwing off a mound over the weekend. So you, it might be like another week or so or ne- next time through the order uh, for Steven Strasburg to return. But you have good contingency plans in place, right? You've got Joe Ross, who's been strong. The schedule has allowed David Martinez to use this four-man rotation for a little bit. John Lester joins. If he starts to be really good, you maybe don't need Eric Fetty if the if the schedule allows it. They have another off day next Monday and then two Mondays from there off again. So they're going to need a fifth starter uh, starting next week going through the road trip to Arizona and Chicago, coming home to face the Orioles. But 
right now, it allows them to have just the four guys. And Fetty and Ross are providing Davey that flexibility of being able, all right, we don't need to panic right now. We don't need to put together a bullpen game. You guys are able to get through the uh, lineup at least twice, and then we can hand it off uh, to the bullpen, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth. And if the offense scores enough runs, which they definitely did on Wednesday for for Fetty, um, then it's not even an issue. And and, and there's, like I said, this bullpen is rested. They should be good to go. Uh, Brad Hand has been phenomenal as of late. Daniel Hudson has been strong. Um, of course, things like Tanner Rainey has turned a corner himself, so he's pitching a lot better. So things are starting to come together overall, and it's a large part in thanks to Ross and Fetty stepping up and, and being important uh, for this rotation. Right. I mean, that's been huge for the Nationals, and it's kind of crazy just how well this, the schedule has worked out for them. It seems like they've had so many off days, um, and being able to go with that four-man rotation for a decent stretch here has really, really worked to their advantage. And then, of course, the guys at the back end of your rotation, like Fetty, Ross, um, who wouldn't have been there, Fetty, of course, coming up big. So that's been huge. I mean, now that the rotation is shaping out, obviously, Rain, Rainy Hudson hand shaping out as your A bullpen, things coming together, getting guys healthy, hopefully getting Steven Strasburg back here soon, Soto possibly, you know, as soon as this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attention definitely shifts to this offense. I mean, it hasn't been that they haven't scored runs, um, but they're not, they're waiting way too late in games to score runs. They're not getting those extra base hits, and sometimes they're running themselves out of innings. So that's going to be huge. And the tension shifts there because obviously your, your rotation can't hold you forever. You have to score runs to win games. So the tension kind of shifts there as the nationals um, head into this week. Well, we're starting to see a little better offense from Josh Bell. Again, someone who we talked at length about last week as well, who was needed to turn a corner. It looks like, I mean, I don't want to dub it that he's completely fixed right now. It's only been a handful of games, but over his last three games, he's been pretty solid. He's providing some nice offense for the Nationals. Base clearing double um, on Saturday against the Marlins. He let off, uh, not let off, but started the scoring in the first uh, with an RBI single. So he's starting to get some at-bats together. He hasn't struck out over his last three innings, uh, three outings either. So that's a good sign. He got the day off on Sunday with Zimmerman getting the start against a left-handed pitcher. Uh, but... If Josh Bell, you know, hopefully these next these two days off isn't a thing where he gets kind of thrown back. You know, you take one step forward, but then you take two steps back because you had two days off from from seeing live pitching. But if Josh Bell can get going, like we've always said, this offense completely changes because Kyle Schwarber has been been pretty decent. We know what Trey Turner can do. We're expecting Juan Soto back soon. Victor Robles, when he's at top of the lineup, was an on base machine and, and he scores a bunch of runs. Josh Harrison has been hitting consistently. I mean, this offense can score a lot if Josh Bell is producing, and he's starting to look a little more comfortable at the plate and a little more patient as well. Right. Yeah, he's certainly looked a lot better, and that we need him and Kyle Schwarber to to, to hit for some power. That was their, their whole goal, and they haven't had a whole lot of power in this lineup or really anybody. They've had a really limited number of extra base hits. It seems like it's been singles, singles, singles. Then they're hitting into a whole lot of double plays um, to end innings. But Josh Bell coming alive. Hopefully these days off don't affect him too much. We know it hasn't affected Ryan Zimmerman. That was our big concern we talked about on the podcast last week. Obviously got out to a super hot start um, and then sad for almost a week. So we were kind of concerned 
concerned about that. And it really didn't seem to affect him. Just Sunday got out, got the Nationals out to a leak with that big three-run homer. So he stayed hot. Josh Bell getting hot. And these main guys hitting for some power um, will certainly give this offense the boost that they need. They've gotten that boost from Josh Harrison hitting leadoff. Um, they changed things around in the lineup a lot. Davey changed things around in the lineup a lot this week. Victor Robles, we saw him back in that leadoff spot probably because of that matchup there, but you never know. Um, and kind of doing anything they can while they have Juan Soto, their best hitter out of the lineup, to manufacture some hits and some runs uh, to win games. And hopefully Josh Bell will continue coming alive and you, you won't see that him get a little rusty after having those days off. It was a super interesting nugget that he said uh, after one of those Blue Jays games. I guess it was the second one, the one that they won. He was asked, like, have you ever gone through something like this before, meaning the slow start to the season? And he, you know, Josh Bell, from what I've noticed in the short time that he's been here already, he's a very thoughtful guy. He is very smart. He thinks about the sport. He thinks about baseball and his approach. Very, He notices things from other guys. He's very observant um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and it looks like he has a memory of an elephant because he recalled immediately back to when he first got the call up to AAA and made the jump from AA. And he said he was crushing the ball, double A. He was on fire. And then he triple A. And when he said he went for like like four for like 37 or something and, and just hit a wall and slump. And so he had to like kind of think backwards and be like, all right, how did I bounce out of that funk uh, and, and use it right now? I mean, he's going back right now. That's like six or seven years or so. And he's still trying to think of what he did as a minor league player before making the major leagues to break out of a slump and how he can work that in to what he's doing right now. And whatever it is, it seems to work. He's trying to use his hands a little more, trying to not use his full body so much when he's using his swing. Uh, and that keeps him more in a firm base uh, at, at, up there at the plate. And uh, we're seeing the results. I mean, let's just check out the numbers real quick. I mean, they're, again, they're not like eye popping, but I think they're a sign of something to come. He's hitting 273 over his last three games. A home run. The six RBIs is nice. Means he's getting some situational hitting done. And then the one walk to zero strikeouts. To me, that's a huge sign. We've seen Josh Bell take a lot of ugly swings early on in this season. Uh, some some bad hacks. And I think the fact that he has not struck out over his last three games is a good sign that he's seen the ball a lot well, a lot better, and that his timing is getting better uh, at the plate. So it, to me, it just seems like you get another week or so of this kind of approach at the plate and this kind of success. And Josh Bell might be back to what we saw uh, throughout the course of spring training. Right. It's so interesting to see the adjustments that they got, these guys are able to make like Josh Harrison with that split grip. You just never know what's going to work, but when it works, it clicks, keep it going. Um, and that's interesting what you say about those strikeouts, because it, we started the season striking out so much. And then like, look at Friday, for example, um, this is an offense that didn't get going, obviously one on that Schwarber walk-off, but this team only struck out four times, um, which, which is kind of surprising. They hit into a lot of double plays and they, they flew out a lot. Um, and while you don't want to see Josh Bell flying out, popping out a whole lot, it's better that he's making contact than taking a lot of bad swinging and misses. I think that's definitely a good sign. Um, making contact is the most important thing. So Hopefully that's a sign that not only Josh Bell's turning things around, but this offense is turning things around, that they're making contact. They're not striking out a whole lot like they were um, at the beginning of the season. But the most important thing is that they just have to get those extra base hits. They can't keep singling uh, their way through every single game. It's going to be important to hit for power, get those extra base hits, um, and, 
and not making those outs on the base pass. I think that's been one of the most frustrating things. I mean, Victor Robles, again, uh, getting thrown out, trying to steal a base again on that game on Sunday. He's only one for four and stolen bases so far this season. Um, and that's a guy who is known for stealing bases so quick, right? Um, so they certainly can't run themselves out of innings, and that's going to be a really important part of their offense too, especially if they're only singling and they're having to move around manufactured those those runs. Yeah, and you mentioned the extra base hits. The guy who has provided a couple extra base hits, mostly via Homer, and coming off the bench in place of Josh Bell is Ryan Zimmerman, and we talked last week again. Can Ryan Zimmerman get some more playing time if Josh Bell's going to continue to struggle? Well, thankfully, Bell had a string of three good games, and there was no need for the, him to uh, take a seat once they got back into a National League park. Like I said, they faced the left-hander and Josh Rogers on uh, on Sunday, so that Zimmerman was able to get the start over Josh Bell and give Bell the day off. But Zimmerman has been crushing the ball. He's got four home runs, five extra base hits. It's a small thing, but I think I don't know if we're now. It's definitely a conversation of all right. Should maybe Davey be platooning first base a little more? than Josh Bell playing every day. Because last last week we were talking about should Ryan Zimmerman just be taking over first base until Bell fil- figures it out. I think it's definitely now Bell should be starting a majority of it. But I don't know how you can keep Ryan Zimmerman's bat on the bench much longer when he's crushing the ball the way he is. No, I agree with you. We talked about it last week, and I, I don't see, especially even defensively. I yeah. mean, at this point, Ryan Zimmerman, you'd be worried about his defense a little bit older in his career. But you look at it. He, he plays a much better defense, and then he's crushing the ball the way he is. I don't know how you can keep him on the bench, um, knowing that this offense is kind of struggling, need a boost, especially early on in games. And Ryan Zimmerman's been able to do that early on in games. He's not waiting till late and doesn't have to get things going and got things going so early in the season when Josh Bell couldn't. So I think that's going to be super important, and I certainly think it's a conversation to have. You have to work him in there a little bit more than they have, especially when they don't have a DH um, and which is kind of disappointing because you get to see them a whole lot more uh, if they were in the American League. But nonetheless, I think you certainly have to work him in there a little bit more. And hopefully it'll be a little bit more of a competition as Josh Bell gets things going and it won't be as blatant as saying, uh, yeah, you should have Ryan Zimmerman in there. Yeah, in 17 games, Ryan Zimmerman has 15 hits. He's hitting 319. Obviously not like an everyday example size, but that's pretty significant. And as if your backup first baseman is hitting 319 on the season and already has four home runs and 10 RBIs, I think you'll take that every single time. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about, you know, the day that Josh Bell needs a day off. Uh, this is a good problem to have in, in a way. And for, I mean, who was really worried about Ryan Zimmerman being able to hit coming back after a year off? I mean, we saw him hit pretty well in spring training. <laughs> we wondered if it was going to carry over the regular season. It has. Of course, he was kind of thrust into the starting position early on in the season with Josh Bell being out. But now, I mean, it's almost like he's he's good for a hit a day when he plays. And, and he's delivered a couple pinch hit hits, which has been really good to see. So he just has that hitter mindset of, and, and it's such a huge weapon for David Martinez and a right-handed bat. We talked about they don't have that many right-handed bats on the bench, especially in the outfield. This is a really good right-handed bat to have in a situation where you need a pinch hitter late in the game. Uh, and you can trust Zimmerman is either going to smack an RBI single or, or crush a home run. I mean, he he's just that locked in. And if he can carry that out the course of the season, he plays less games. He stays healthy. He stays fresh. Uh, Zim could be in, like, I don't know if there's, like, a – a sixth man of the year or, you know, or what would it be like the 10th man of the year in the national league, <laughs> but that might be Ryan Zerman at, at the end of the season. 
you never know. You never know. Um, but no, exciting stuff. Good weekend for the Nationals. They have to keep it going. Exciting to see them on top of the division, especially with the start that they had, all these injuries that they had. Uh, but they kind of righted their wrongs. And it's just this offense that needs to keep going. Uh, and they saw, we saw glimpses, certainly a lot of runs scored in some of those games um, in this past series. But they have to score earlier and they have to score more, give these pitchers some run support because not everybody's going to be Max Scherzer, 106 pitch complete game. Um, not everybody can do that. So yeah. it'll be it'll be exciting to see what they can do moving forward. The schedule certainly uh, gets difficult. Open up a series with the Braves tonight, then then um, head to New York to play the Yankees. So yeah. not going to be easy, but they have to do it. It's their schedule. So we'll see. And um, in other news, minor league season gets kicked off this week, which is pretty exciting. I haven't seen minor league baseball in what a year and a half. Yeah, I think it's. I saw something crazy. It's like. 400 or like 500 days or so it's like it's an absurd number 600 maybe it's an absurd number since the last time we saw minor league, like late september uh 2019 so like before the nationals won the world series is the last time we saw minor league world minor league baseball right that's that's crazy and some exciting names obviously in the nats minor league system and jackson rutledge kate cavalli both of them getting announced that they're going to make uh, the start on the high A roster in Wilmington, which will be exciting. That has to be an exciting rotation there um, in Wilmington. Um, kind of tough because you won't get to see prospects in Seth Romero hurt again. Mason Denneberg, Tommy John surgery is going to be out. So kind of disappointing. You aren't going to see those guys, but there's a lot of guys to see. Um, and it's exciting because you haven't seen. I mean, it has to be tough probably constructing some of these rosters where you're designating people because some of them you haven't seen play in a game in a year and a half. Others, of course, at the alternate training site, so on and so forth, getting the invite to spring training, uh, major league spring training camp. So it has to be kind of difficult, but it'll be exciting nonetheless that these guys are getting to play real live baseball. Yeah, Mark Shalaba, who is uh, assistant GM for the Nationals, spoke yesterday about the. He talked for like 40 minutes with uh, with media members uh, about the start of the minor league season, its return, and how the Nationals' top prospects will, should fare this season. And he talked about how it was very difficult to evaluate these guys and deciding where to put them. I, I think, I, you know, it was interesting. I saw people commenting, you know, on Mark Zuckerman's uh, post on MassInSports.com about it. A couple of my tweets about Kay Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge starting at high single A. People being like, that seems low. Thought there would be higher than that. Kate Cavalli has never pitched in a minor league game yet. <laughs> We've seen him in spring training. We've seen him at the alternate site. I, I, he, I'm, he pitched well, I guess, against the Orioles a couple of games at, at the alternate training site uh, earlier this month. But he's not pitched an actual minor league game yet. Remember, he was drafted last year. And, and Jackson Rutledge has only a year under his belt back in 2019. If that, and that was probably rookie ball. I haven't even double-checked where he ended up in 2019. So these guys have very limited pro baseball experience. So I think high single A is a good place for them. Low single A, too, might have been okay. I didn't recognize any of those names. On No offense to them. On the on the uh, Fred Nats roster, They're, I think it was the Fredericksburg Fred Nats. Um, but those are mostly guys that were drafted in later rounds, have only played rookie ball. Um, so I think high single A is a good spot for Kay Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge. 
And Shalaba talking yesterday saying, hey, they've got the stuff to get the promotion double A this season. So it might not be long before we start we start seeing them pitch for the Harrisburg Senators later this summer, which would be pretty exciting that they can, you know, your last two number one uh, first round draft picks make that jump to double A in their first official year of pro ball. Right. That's exactly right. Where you start the minor league season is certainly not where you're going to finish. And I think high A is certainly a good pit, uh, a good start there for, for, for these two Jackson Rutledge making it to single A in 2019. So high A is certainly a good fit for them. And I was with you, uh, Bobby, on that Fredericksburg roster. The only pitcher I recognized was Mitchell Parker um, outside of that. Not a whole lot of recognizable guys um, on that pitchers list. And then moving up to Harrisburg, um, of course, it'll be interesting to see what Gabe Klobositz does there, Andrew Lee, Tim Kate. Of course, those are some names that we've talked a lot about. Um, and then Rochester, kind of everybody you would expect um, there on that AAA roster. And, of course, exciting them to have them back on the East Coast because, of course, the last time we saw real minor league baseball, um, they were in Fresno, California. So that makes it a lot easier. Uh, you're not having guys necessarily at AA making those calls up just because it's the convenience of having them here on the East Coast. Don't have to fly them across the country from AAA. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works too, calling guys up in this season. But certainly looks like things are shifting back to normal um, in the minor leagues. And it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting for fans too across, you know, all these smaller towns with these affiliates. You're getting to see players for the first time in a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's you mentioned that the 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 towns at these. I saw a graphic today from minor league baseball. I think on their Instagram, uh, and they posted like a map of the United States with every minor league team and like their area colored in throughout the course of the country. And it's a lot. It's pretty crazy, and it's so good to see that those small towns across the country. Because you know, it's not big cities, major markets. It's small towns that you see like Harrisburg, like Rochester, like Wilmington, um, that are really benefit from these teams. And, and we talked to the Rochester guys yesterday, including Carter Keeboom and manager Matt LaCroix, and they were talking about how they're very excited to get it going uh, in that new city and, and have fans come out and join them because, you know, that team is so embedded in the community. Uh, and so to have a, a solid roster there and, and hopefully have a good season uh, they're looking to put on a show for the fans that have been gone over a year without seeing a, a minor league baseball game. Um, but I think it's also important to note with the Rochester Red Wings, you know, obviously Carter Keeboom is going to be starting there. Luis Garcia, are the, those are the two headliners. Um, but, you know, it's important to note that that they are going to be the ones that are going to be directly called up to the majors, right? This is how it's going to affect the nationals. We, you know, we, we can get in depth into the minor league season as it finally gets going later on, check in on some guys, see how they're playing, but how it directly affects the major league club. They're going to be picking guys from the triple a roster. Those guys technically are tier one as you would be if you were on the nationals. Right. And so in terms of protocols, health and safety protocols, they can come right up and play that night, assuming that they passed a rapid fire test. So uh, they get uh, the call that morning. They can fly a charter flight into D.C. or they can drive the six hours. Um, and then as long as they pass their intake test real quick, they're good to go. That's how it's going to work this year. So you're not going to see guys being called up straight from double A. If, if a double A guy is going to get called up to the majors this year, he's going to have to go to triple A first, do intake testing there, and then come off that roster to join the Nationals. So a little whole, a little 
little couple hoops to jump through, but uh, that's why you look at this Rochester uh, roster. You see Rogelio Amenteros. You see uh, Dakota Bacchus. You see Brian, uh, uh, Ben Bramer, excuse me. You see Gerardo Parra, uh, Trace Barrera. Uh, Wellington Casillo, Yasmani Tomas, guys that you know were on the fringe of making the roster last spring training, did not elect free agency, stayed with the AAA because they might be called upon at some point uh, this regular season, and and, and the AAA is going to be what filters in those those not replacement players, but those players uh, as the season gets underway, we progress forward. It's no longer be coming straight from the alternate training site. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so beneficial to have so many, really all of your affiliates so close, but especially that that AAA team. Um, especially this year when the protocols are so specific and so different than what we've seen before. It's so important. I don't know what they would have done really if that team was out in Fresno. So it really works works well that they're they're so close and not every team has that advantage. So that's really good for the Nationals and obviously a lot of huge names on that AAA roster like you would expect to see with any team. Um, but you've seen with the Nationals already so many injuries, so many players coming up, getting their call way before they probably would have expected one week, two weeks a month into the season so it's tough to see maybe some of those guys on the big league roster uh before it's all said and done but certainly exciting that the minor league season's getting kicked off i was a little bit worried um that things wouldn't get going but it seems like it's it's smooth after they pushed it back and um you know wishing all those guys the best of luck yep yep it's gonna be exciting hopefully we'll have uh get in touch with some of those guys you know Kay Cavalli, jackson rutledge if we don't see carter keyboom up at the major league level soon maybe we can chat with him uh get some guys on the podcast and discuss how their seasons are going maybe even get in touch with some of those local broadcasters because they might know this team these teams better than anybody they, they call every single game down in the minor leagues um and so maybe we'll get in touch with some of those guys and get some uh broader recaps of how these teams are shaking out and how your top nationals prospects are shaking out throughout the course of the season uh just to wrap things up let's go through some um uh comments that we're getting along uh so alan duckworth has been chatting with us on facebook it would be fun to see trey bat cleanup did he correct me if I'm wrong? Did Trey get a chance to back clean up over the course of the weekend? Why do I feel like he did play back clean up at, at least one point against the uh, Marlins? Um, I don't remember him batting clean up, Bobby, but maybe, maybe. It was, maybe it was just third. I thought he hit third, but he could have hit clean up. Yeah. Anyways, I, I but that's, uh, I mean, obviously not a role you would expect out of him, but if he's one of the guys that's hitting right now, that's kind of how it's going to work, especially when you, you push the guys like Josh Harrison up at the top of the lineup yeah. or maybe Victor Robles leads off, that pushes everybody down. Um, and certainly depending on the matchup. Yeah. I, I also think like right the way baseball goes nowadays, I mean, you want your best hitters hitting two or three uh, instead of four. So I, I, especially with Juan Soto out, you know, if it gets to a point where maybe Juan – I mean, it also, Davey likes playing matchups too, left, right, left, right, or vice versa. So it, it just kind of depends on the everyday matchup. I, you know, we might see Trey at some point hitting cleanup, but I expect him to stay mostly in that two, three spot, especially with Soto getting back. But you never know. I mean, maybe it gets to a point where everyone's just crushing the ball, then Davey doesn't know where to put anybody, <laughs> and anyone can be bad in cleanup or hitting second or hitting third at any given night. Uh, that would be the best case scenario in my mind. Um, right. I mean, yeah, certainly he. Just looking at it doesn't have the makeup of a cleanup hitter. You want him getting as many at bats as you can, exactly in that two. Uh, well, he's let off obviously, and in that two and three hole. But you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, he can hit for a little bit of power, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, another one who is starting for the Braves tonight, I believe it's, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's 
Weoscar Inoa, I think that's how you say his first name. I'm pretty sure that's who was starting for the Braves, unless something happened over the last 24 hours or so that I missed. He was scheduled to start tonight for the Braves, going up against Joe Ross. I do see on Nationals.com that the Braves do not have a starting pitcher listed, but I believe Weoscar Inoa is the one who's starting for the Braves tonight. And look, we also talk about looking, at the, looking ahead at this Braves series just real quick. The Braves are throwing three left-handed, no, not three, excuse me, two left-handed pitchers this week, um, including on, on Wednesday and Thursday. And the Nationals are one of the best teams in all of baseball hitting left-handed pitchers at this time. So you're looking at a chance for the Nats to take maybe two out of three, get some revenge from the Braves, who, of course, won two out of three, swept the doubleheader in the opening series at the beginning of April. If the Nationals continue to crush uh, left-handers, you'll probably see Ryan Zimmerman at least in one of those lineups, if not both. Um, and, and the Nationals could be in for a strong week against an opponent and knock the Braves even further back in the lineup. All right, the, right, the standings, excuse me. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think one of the most interesting, obviously those aren't automatic wins, but one of the most interesting things is we'll probably to see what Davey Martinez does with Ryan Zimmerman. I wouldn't be afraid to start him in both both of those uh, starts against the Braves. Yeah, he uh, – well, we'll see. I'm, I mean, I'm assuming Josh Bell's going to start tonight at first base with a right-hander on the mound. You know, if he goes three for four, how do you take him out? On the, right. it's another, it goes back to that balance. But if of, you're, yeah, right. But if you're a manager that plays matchups, believes in that, believes in believes in the numbers and matchups, then maybe. Yeah, but also, I mean, Josh Bell is a switch hitter. It's not like he 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 still he'll be a right-handed bat up there uh, on. If he plays Tuesday and Thursday, it's just, you know, he's not hitting the ball as well as Ryan Zimmerman is right now. I haven't seen Josh Bell splits actually hitting right versus left, um, but it's not like he's just going to be only batting left-handed. Right, right. That's a good point. I think that's what makes that decision a little bit more complicated, but doesn't hit that well as well from that side of the plate. So it's certainly something to look at. Um, but I mean, I would imagine Ryan Zimmerman gets to start in at least one of those two games against left-handed hitters and definitely a good matchup. Uh, numbers look good for the nationals headed into those two, those two games. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an exciting series, two games on, uh, what Tuesday and Wednesday at seven o'clock tonight's game is on, uh, Masson. I think tomorrow's game is on Masson two. And then Thursday's game, Amy, is streaming live on YouTube. Masson will not have yeah. Thursday's game. It's a 4 o'clock game, 4.05 start. So we'll catch that on YouTube. That's free for everybody. No matter where you live, you'll be able to stream it on the YouTube app, on YouTube.com, of course, or wherever you watch YouTube. You'll be able to see the game right there. So uh, that's kind of interesting that the Nationals are getting a, another uh, streaming national game. Oh, that's only going to be on YouTube. I mean, what what – in what do you, I don't know if you know what kind of determines on games like that? Like, how does that work? I that you see, I mean, obviously, you see that a lot more nowadays. Yeah. I think it's well, I know obviously YouTube and MLB have a contract, right? I, I don't know if YouTube gets one game a week. I've seen the promos for this Nationals Braves games, but I feel like that's only because I've been watching Nationals games, like, I've never right. seen. <laughs> A YouTube, you know, whatever game YouTube is broadcasting, at least probably I haven't seen them broadcasting that. Um, so they must get a, you know, a certain amount of games throughout the course of the season that they have exclusive rights to. And whether it's, you know, once a week, twice a month, whatever it is, but they probably just look at the schedule and try to pick the best matchups today. I mean, it's Braves Nationals looking ahead at the schedule before the season, you probably think that's going to be an important game. It's a 405 game start afternoon game. Um, so, you, you know, you think you'll probably get a good audience, definitely streaming it. Maybe people finishing up work can stream it on their work computer, stuff like that. So I, my guess is going to be that, you know, they have an X amount of games that they, they broadcast every year. 
uh, streaming, and then they just look at the schedule and pick whatever games that they would want to do. That makes sense. It's definitely a different experience watching games and certainly can be more more convenient depending on where you are Four or five star just like you said might be finishing up work so different experience you have to let us know on the pod next week how you like that game on youtube yeah i'm gonna take a look well it's also interesting because the last time the nationals were on youtube they did like this crazy weird like combination of broadcasters from both teams it's like they had right i well, remember that they yeah. had because fp was on they had the home play-by-play guy and then the two commentators uh from one from each team throughout the course of the game which i guess they want to broad you know if it's a national game they want to broadcast you know a fair broadcasting team mm-hmm. but i don't know how that's going to work with covid because the visiting commentators don't travel there. with the team yep. right so right. i don't i don't have no idea who's gonna call the team call the game on thursday on youtube because that should be interesting but yeah no it's cool that they're getting national exposure it gives us on the mass and web studio a, a day off to kind of just sit back and relax and watch the game instead of having to work the whole game so that's kind of a nice and then they have a weird three quick three game road trip to new york to face the yankees before coming back to home uh to face the phillies so a uh, kind of odd scheduling right here for the nationals in terms of broadcasting where they're going who they're playing uh, you know, you'll see Brian Zimmerman probably a bunch this weekend with a DH. So something to keep an eye out as we move forward uh, throughout May. That's true. It could be a big week for Ryan Zimmerman there, uh, which is exciting. Hopefully he can keep that hot streak going. But the national schedule gets a little bit tougher here um, this next stretch. But if their starting pitching holds up the way it has and the offense gets going, especially early on in games, that's going to be key, um, especially against the Braves. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Hopefully the Nationals, they're the only team at 500 or above in their division, uh, but hopefully they'll be able to crack above 500 for the first time since opening day, since Juan Soto's walk-off on opening day uh, this week against the Braves. Be sure to tune in through, of course, Tuesday and Wednesday on Masson and Masson 2. Of course, coverage on MassonSports.com and at Masson Nationals on all social media accounts. Amy, thanks so much for uh, joining me at Amy Jennings News. I know we had some technical difficulties there, but you fought through it. We made it through. We went 1-0 today as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we're going to have a much uh, cleaner podcast next week. Uh, But I appreciate it, Bobby, and I'll I'll see you next week. Yep, sounds good. That's going to do it for this week's podcast on the Mass and All Access podcast. Be sure to tune in. Uh, And subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud, uh, wherever you find the Nationals. Mass and All Access Podcasts is uh, hopefully you can get your your top podcasts. And um, tune in. Uh, I'm doing the series recaps throughout the course of the season, recapping every series and then previewing the next. Uh, Next episode should drop maybe late Thursday night, early Friday morning, recapping this Brave series and previewing uh, an interleague series against uh, the Yankees. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Give me a follow if you would like. I'll have some coverage on MattsonSports.com throughout the course of the week as well. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Sorry for all the technical difficulties, but we appreciate you hanging in there. Appreciate you commenting along. Enjoy the games, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next week.